Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. I am your host, Brian, here on the best Winnipeg comic book show you're ever going to get your earbuds in. Uh, joining me, as always, the effervescent, ever-exuberant Curtis Mensforth. Hey, I am... What's shaking, dude? Delighted to be here. As always, right? Of course. Uh, we are missing one-third of the tenacious tandem? Trio. <laughs> one, the, Trio. The, there we the go. The Warriors 3 would be the one wa- way. Of- the Warriors 3. Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah, that'll do it. Um, Braden Hafechuk is... Uh, MIA for exams. He is valiantly fighting the good fight, good. unintended. The the best fight we can possibly fight. Oh, God, just end my life now, right? <laughs> uh, how was your weekend, dude? It was filled with a lot of entertainment. Yeah? Well, f- light me up. What kind yeah, of entertainment? I, you, okay, so this weekend I started a new comic that is kind of a quirky series from Image called Chew. It was an award award winning oh. series. It's basically about a guy who has psychic uh, visions from eating food. <laughs> what? And like, Excuse it, me. It's it's bonkers, man. But I'm loving uh, it. No, basically, you can't he, be telling the truth. He, There's he no way. He takes a bite out of something, and then he instantly knows like the entire history of that food, like who's like been involved with it, like how it was made. And now he basically fights crimes for the FDA. Like the <laughs> and it's it's like this it's like this amazing uh I don't know, it's like this amazing drama about no. just like fighting crime but also using chew. food. Yeah. Chew. Oh, fine. Is it finished? Uh it yeah it is. It it wrapped up last year. It's a sixty issue run. Uh, uh so I, I mean know what I'm gonna be reading. Yeah, it's good man. It it won the Eisner Award uh in like two thousand ten. 10 when it was started out for best new series so okay. it, it's definitely definitely good stuff um a lot of people like it it's by uh rob guillery and john layman for anyone I wanting know who to layman is i don't he, know who he's Gillery done some is. stuff for detective comics like he's written some some mainstream dc stuff but chew is definitely like his his baby it's it's what really got him i, I guess what really Got him, uh, got him big in the industry back back in uh, 09 and 010 there when he started. Hmm. Good stuff though. How about that? So How that about... that is what I've been reading lately this weekend. Nice, I can dig it. Yourself? Uh, I rededicated myself to the Church of Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> hey, I actually love Scott Pilgrim so much. The comic is the graphic novel is it's insane. It's so good. It's insane. It, uh, it's. How do I want to put this? It is very uh, identifiable for me. I guess is the way. Oh, agreed, one hundred percent. When um, I when I read or see a panel from Scott Pilgrim, I instantly, I definitely relate to him as a character for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just like the way his mannerisms, the way he carries himself, his forgetfulness. Yeah. And plus, like. The way that comic comes off in terms of how relationships work is so on the nose. Yeah. You know, like it's it's so very, um, how do I want to put this? Uh, it shows how complicated relationships are in general and yeah, how much they, work they take. They are work. not, they are not easy to keep. They're not easy to maintain. Exactly. No, not and, at all. And so uh, it, it just kind of shows how, yeah, how difficult um how difficult they are, but like how worthwhile they are. When it, ha- it, right. it has uh, serious meaning masked by wacky, bizarre adventures yeah. throughout the book. 
So it it has something for everyone. I think I think like anyone could crack open Scott Pilgrim and find something to like about it. Yeah, exactly. It's a very inherently likable read for sure. I absolutely agree with you. Michael Sarah, man. Um, <laughs> what do you think about the movie while we're on this okay, short so, tangent? Yeah, all right, fine. Um, I think there are some things about the movie that bug me, but not like inherently. The things, the things that bug me about the movie are the exact same thing that bugs me about every single adaptation yeah. of a book or a graphic novel into a movie. Is that like a movie is at most, what, a three-hour medium? Yeah, that that's if you're stretching it. Nowadays, it's like two hours seems to be the norm. You're Scott, two and a half Scott hours. Scott Pilgrim, I think, was like whatever, like two hours fifteen minutes. Yeah, something like that. It was not a, I, maybe even two hours. It was they, not a they trimmed a lot out movie. of that. Is basically what you're getting at. Yeah, and there was so much stuff that they didn't. Do you think it should have been like a three part movie? So like a six hour. It's another one of those adventure. things that I thought would have benefited from not coming out when it came out, and instead coming out now as a Netflix original. Oh, a show actually would be really cool. I agree. I think like uh, how many episodes do you think would be perfect for that show or for that comic? How many? How many do you think would be like the right amount? Six. Six. Six one hour episodes. Yeah. I think would have been perfect. One hour for each volume would yeah. have been fine. I I think that would work really well. That yeah. would be awesome. I yeah. Netflix. If you want to hire Brian and I as yeah, uh, right. writers, we can write the screenplay and get this going. Uh, I would still probably end up bringing back Michael Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I he mean, was really good. Why, why mess? Why mess with great casting? Hey, he was really really good. I like Michael Sarah. He's a very quirky guy, but I I dig him. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like the things that bother, there was just so much cut from it, you know, like, uh, there was hardly any backstory. It didn't talk at all about Scott's previous life. It barely touched. And like one of the most important things of the entire book, the entire set of novels was how obsessed Scott was with Envy Adams the entire (laughs) time. And they briefly touched upon it. It was one phone call, the mention of his haircut, and like that awkward scene where they're in the back just staring at each other, <laughs> which was just as awkward in the books, I want to point out. Probably, yeah. But it touches on almost none of their history. It touches on almost none of the fact that like they made it very blatantly clear that Envy Adams was cheating on Scott almost the entire time, and he didn't care. He knew really? about it and didn't care. Yeah, yeah. You know, like... He asked her if she was cheating on him, and, like, she kind of dodged around the question, and he kind of, that night, after they had slept together, afterwards, a- after that, he asked that question and kind of knew the answer, still told her that he loved her. <laughs> Which is, like, you yeah. know, like, that's an identifiable thing. Oh, yeah, You know, totally. sometimes you are that in love with someone that, like, it doesn't matter to you whether or not... You know, like yeah, you just, no, I, I get what you're you saying. You feel like your entire life would kind of crumble apart if they if they weren't a part of it, right? Um, so like, you know, that's that's something. That's yeah. something, all right. No, it's uh, Scott Pilgrim is totally a solid read, and if anyone hasn't checked it out and wants to, definitely do that. Uh, I mean, watch the movie, but definitely read the comic for sure. Yeah, get yourself get yourself a color copy of it too. The oh, color, absolutely. The color copy is absolutely. is great. Yeah, those are um, those are the bomb. So I also want to recommend uh, his new Brian Lee O'Malley, the creator of Scott Pilgrim, his yeah. newest work, Seconds, is also oh, really I good. Haven't, I haven't checked that out. It came out in 2014, okay. has a similar uh, art style. Kind of, It's kind of like a Scott Pilgrim right. combined with like Astro Boy. Okay. But, uh, uh, it's, I can definitely get into that. It's uh, about uh, a girl, Katie Clay, who's a head chef uh, at a restaurant named Seconds. 
um, who has the or ends up getting the ability to fix her past mistakes by writing them down in a, mo- a notebook. Okay. Eating a mushroom and falling asleep. That sounds insane and awesome, and I want to read it. Correct. <laughs> and like it ends up, you know, like in that kind of story, it ends up creating more, much more of a problem. Man, this guy's mind is insane. Like the the stuff that he thinks about and then makes stories out of. Is Scott Pilgrim really that wacky though? No, it's just but, like I mean, a really. It has elements to it, but it's just more or less. I guess his ability to take fantastical elements and add them to like a relatable story and make them so okay so one of the biggest things one of the biggest conversations I think I've, I've ever had we are getting way off topic that's oh, okay we got lots of time but yes we, we will get to our main topic stick with us here guys um one of the one of the things that I'm uh, one of the conversations ongoing conversations I always have with people is the difference in between science fiction and science fantasy yeah and so, like, science fiction is where they take the fantastical, especially te- the technological fantastical, and make it seem mundane to everybody else. Okay, yeah. It just becomes normal, right? Yeah. Star Trek is a perfect example yeah. of that. No, no, I get that. Like, everything, all of the technology, like, it's all just normal, everyday life for them. Yeah, like, that's commonplace. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, whereas science fantasy, things like Star Wars, make the fantastical seem even more fantastical. Yeah, Like, I the see. Force, for right. example. Right, like it's that's basically not, that's not something that everyone can wield. Space magic know? and space wizards, yeah, exactly. and it seems like it seems far out for right. like all the people involved in it. Even the even the space wizards themselves are like blown away by how space wizardy. Yeah, like it, it's totally out there. Correct. Definitely. Um, Scott Pilgrim follows the same sort of idea as science as as the science fiction, except like it's like video game fiction. Yeah. Right? It's awesome, though. It takes the fantastical that would be like a video game fighter, and it's totally mundane for everybody in the universe. Scott blows somebody up by headbutting them into a bunch of coins. Yeah. And everyone's just like... I remember that. Yeah, okay, whatever. No big deal. Just like, eh, you know. Which is just wild, right? Like, Guess I've it, seen that before. It's so cool. Yeah. Uh, great. Okay, so the real topic of today. Of course, last week's... Uh, Huge last week, news. It yeah. has been the best-selling comic for two weeks straight. Of course. To no surprise, I am. I am a little bit surprised. Are you? I knew it was going to be. I, 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 I it knew gonna it was going to be a big event. I didn't think it was going to be this big. I mean, you you blends Jeff Johns, who's a name that sells, with one of the best selling. We should comic. probably describe what we're talking about. Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Is, <laughs> For anyone who didn't know what we were referring to, just by it's that a description. New, it's a brand new DC comic. Uh, that is basically the prequel to Watchmen. No, not not the prequel. It it's the sequel to Watchmen. Uh, before Watchmen is the prequel. That oh, came right, out a right, right, right. Ago. Sorry, sorry, Th- sorry. This takes place after Watchmen, like the the original Watchmen storyline. Right. Set seven years in the future, actually, after uh, the first one with a brand new War- Rorschach. Yeah. So I guess we'll we'll kind of un unload the story, talk about Doomsday Clock itself as a story, and then I guess get into like Watchmen as a whole correct yeah that's i think we got time for that oh so, yeah so oh, we got uh first of all what did what did you think of it okay so just judging doomsday clock as its own thing yeah, i thought john story. i thought john's crafted a really a really interesting and intriguing narrative that instantly makes you want to read and buy the next issue so mission accomplished correct part. i uh, i'm i am in I'm i don't know many in. people who like read the end of the story and like okay i don't want to re- i don't want to see what happens next 
you know and i mean if you have that opinion that's fair maybe maybe you're not into like the watchman characters but i think like the majority of people who read it were really impressed with his ability to do something new but also honor what you know what alan moore did with the original watchman yeah being such a seminal work that it is it's yeah, I mean, like, I'm never ever going to dispute the fact that Watchmen is such a groundbreaking. I mean, it's definitely very historically important. Shifting event. Oh, absolutely. And it itself is an incredible story as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. It's so good. It's it it says a lot about a lot of different things, and it I feel like it made people take comics seriously, which is which is why Watchmen is so significant. Because I mean, if you think about before Watchmen, how many just regular like. I want to say, like, how, like, comics were not mainstream, viable. and they never have been, but... It made them viable again. Yeah, I, would dispute I guess you, so. I would dispute you on the fact that comics have never been mainstream, because comics were huge. Yeah, no, no, that that is In, true. like, yeah, the I 70s, agree. like, when our parents were growing oh, up, absolutely. right? Like, you, yeah. talk, you yeah. talk to your parents, and even if your parents, in particular, weren't comic book readers, comic books oh, were for sure, yeah. huge. No, like, Superman, Batman, you know, your, your, your A-list characters, um, definitely. So, no, that's... you. Yeah, you're right about that, for sure. Um, but I think, I think it made people take comic books seriously again. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Why did the term graphic novel exist pre-Watchmen? I feel, I, not or was really. it used as liberally, even if it was? Probably, no. I mean, graphic novel is popularized because of Watchmen. So I, I would say I would say Watchmen is the reason for the graphic novel or that term used today. It's not to say that there weren't other graphic novels. Like, an right. early example would be God Loves... Or what's that uh, Chris Claremont X-Men graphic novel? It's like... Um, man, man kills God. Lo- I've, I'm butchering it right now. It's Normally, okay. I'm so good for these things. Normally, my memory is impeccable. Chris Claremont X Men graphic yeah, novel. That that's probably one of the other earlier examples. God loves man kills. So, so I I want to say it's something along that line. Uh it's not coming up. We're gonna keep talking in the meantime. Um, we'll we'll tweet it out on the account later. I'm yeah, sure. we'll, we'll figure we'll, it out. We'll figure it out later. It, it's not important know. to this topic. It's more or less just it was another early example of a graphic novel, right? But like, I don't know. But Watchmen for sure definitely popularized that idea of the graphic novel. The Watchmen logo is incredibly popular as well with a whole bunch of. It's people. very simple, but it says a lot with what it. It says a lot with with its simplicity. I think yeah, it's, it's just a smiley face with the with the bullet hole, right? Or the, it's the, the, well, the blood spatter. Yeah, the the blood stain on the smiley face basically can represent. And I mean, Watchmen can be you. You can put as much meaning into Watchmen as you want to get out of it. Like it's been exam examined very intensely by all kinds of scholars who are getting all kinds of complex things out of it. And yeah, it's very complex, but it's also just very simple. You know, yeah. at the same time. I mean, that's the mark of a good logo, right? Right. It's just having that ability to interpret it in many different lights, you know? Um, so the Doomsday Clock story itself picks up seven years. Yeah, so after original the end Watchmen of the is Watchmen. 1985. Uh, for anyone who is unfamiliar with its timeline, it was 85, so this would be 92. It says at the very beginning that it's in 92. Yeah. yeah. Um, like, like the original Watchmen, it takes a lot of expert uh, excerpts. Right from Rorschach's journal. Yes. The new Rorschach. It's, it's rooted in kind of a non-reliable or a unreliable narrator uh, 
because it this this version of Rorschach seems to have details slightly skewed in in their head. They're not able to remember things exactly. Or like it starts off and you know November twenty second, or is it twenty third? Or so it's basically and, just you know, he, he how keeps, much do I trust this person? He keeps you know? mentioning he keeps mentioning his watch. Yeah, exactly. About how his watch he feels is slow, so he you know th- three hours yeah. and. 54 minutes. Rorschach has always been a fairly unstable character, so that is staying true to the tone of, like, Rorschach as a character. He's always been kind of a, kind of on the fringe kind of guy, you know? I really, Rorschach was probably my favorite character in the original Watchmen. He's a lot of people's favorite characters. Just because he is so mysterious, despite the fact that you are privy to pretty much all of his inner thoughts and monologues. Yeah, like you get his backstory, you get everything about him. He's still incredibly mysterious and intriguing and and all, like, you have no idea what he's going to do, what his plan is. He makes you feel uneasy because he could literally do anything and it's that type of person that you cannot control no matter how much you try. Yeah. Like, no one could ever control him, which is, like, one of the scariest things. No, exactly. For that timeline that they existed in and, like, all the unrest that there was at that time. Right. That's why he was such a big threat and um, needed to... So it it follows it yeah. follows Rorschach and there's... It's going to be 12 issues. Yeah, just like the original Watchmen was a 12-issue series, and so was it, Doomsday Clock. It starts off with Russia invading Poland. For anyone who hasn't read it, by the way, this will get into some spoiler territory just to, like, properly talk about, talk it. about it. Like, we can't really go into depth if we don't yeah. spoiler uh, spoil a bit of it. So, so come back in a bit. Um, this is post-breakup of the USSR in real yeah. life, which we have to assume it's at least attempting to follow at least a little bit. It does. Like, Watchmen is very much rooted in real historical events, which just with a slight twist to them. So different from DC, the DC universe, yeah. right? Um, which, you know, ha- makes up names for cities and reallocates them. Like, like um, Gotham is supposed to be Chicago, just in a yeah. different place. And Metropolis is obviously New York. Right. But, like, how are they across a river from each other, right? Like, yeah, they were in the, in the movie. Not, not actually in the comics, though. No, no. But Gotham is still not landlocked in the comics either no it has gotham harbor and they they were isolated during that whole no man's land storyline exactly um so it starts with russia invading poland and basically the united states offering an ultimatum saying get the hell out of poland or we're going to launch a bunch of nukes right and so rorschach is attempting to track people down to stop yeah these nukes including a couple of villains at the start very interesting, by the way, like the the mime and marionette as characters that we've never seen before. The marionette sucks. I'm not a fan of hers, but the mime is a really cool Well, she hasn't concept. really done anything, so I mean, uh, hard, yeah, but hard like, to say, but mime is very intriguing. Just the, way, just the way she talks. I mean, obviously True. she's under duress, but like just the way that she talks, the way that she carries herself, her mannerisms, the way that she's demanding things, despite the yeah, fact no, that she's I, not I, at all yeah, in I a position of leverage. Like, <laughs> not with Rorschach, you're not. <laughs> But she doesn't think it's the original Rorschach is the thing. Yeah, that's true. Like, she she knows and Rorschach revealed to her that he's not the original by taking his glove off. Assuming it's a he, like, why? I guess we don't really so know. So explain, explain to somebody why that wouldn't be, why that would reveal that he's not the original. Well, because the original Rorschach was shown in, like, in when Watchmen came out, like, near the end, he was outed and then he got jailed, remember? 
Oh, so, so like he's, he's a white man named Walter Kovacs. Right. Everyone knows that about him. Right. Um, in this case, um, Rorschach took his glove off, and this person was a person of color, so clearly not the original. See, I missed that because... I mean, obviously, I, I just missed it because of the lighting. Yeah. I no, thought it was just like I, I really see what you mean. dim and dull lighting. I was like, he took off the glove and I was like... Which is interesting because... Huh. So what is that supposed to show? Yeah. I don't remember Rorschach having any tattoos or anything. <laughs> the, only, the only identifiable thing was that he was a ginger, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So, no, but like Rorschach's identity was publicly... Um, like, it's a public record at the end of Watchmen. Right. So like, people would know who the original was and that this person is not. And of course, the original Rorschach dies basically saving the world. Kind of. Well, essentially, Rorschach didn't want to compromise uh, anything. E- even though this, even though Osmandius's plan was to bring about world peace, he was willing to completely just, I guess, ruin that um, in the name of just not compromising his morals by publishing or at least sending his his journal to that newspaper so that right. the truth could come out which i guess is the messiness of watchmen is it's a very complex it's not black and white there are gray areas it is convoluted and confusing and there it- are so much there's so many uh storylines that are connecting and weaving in and out of each other in that and all of it's wonderful don't get me wrong like yeah. just because i think it's this is the opposite of of Fantastic Four one two three four, where like that was really <laughs> yeah, convoluted, I and I didn't like it because like it, I ended up having to read it a couple times. I got everything about the Watchmen the first go around, yeah, but like I find new things about oh, it every absolutely. time. Absolutely, there's every so much littered time. in there, just visually even that you might not <sighs> even see like the first two reads. It's so good. It's yeah, it's, it's definitely really complex. Um, so, okay, so where. I am really, really bloody curious to see what the heck is going to happen with Superman. Okay. So, continuing on on to just discussing, like, what we saw in the first issue of Doomsday Clock, um, it it reintroduces certain key players, uh, Superman being one of them at the end of the comic, where basically Superman has a nightmare, which he's never had before. Never had before. Um, which is intriguing. A, remembering a memory of, of the night his parents passed away. Yeah. Which, to be fair, there's been so many iterations of Superman, I've forgotten that both, in this particular instance, both of them had passed away. Yeah, exactly. Uh, for for a lot of storylines, like Martha's alive, not Jonathan Kent. But right. in this case, like both have passed away. They're gone. Um, Superman has a memory of them. It's very frightening. He he wakes up and he's just like legitimately scared, which is the Superman jarring portray, to see Superman like that. You yes, know? and the Superman they portray in the flashbacks is very different than the Superman I remember. Oh, oh for sure. Like yeah. the Clark Kent was very edgy. Yeah, was very emotionally distraught. Oh yeah, was very uh, introverted. Which this is, is a person who's things. fundamentally human. Like he, despite being so powerful and alien, like he he grew up right. on a farm, isolated from the larger part of the world until he moved away, correct, to Metropolis. So you would you would have to think, yeah, I guess he is pretty shy, generally speaking. But though, in most of the other Superman flashbacks we've ever had, he's not. But also, he is yeah, at least somewhat co- charismatic compared to other storylines. Yes, like and he, in Smallville, he's not always portrayed that way. In Smallville, he's pretty outgoing. He is with his friends. Uh, yeah. he he's a very humble, very friendly person. Like he's not he's not so much closed off to the world. 
But like speaking, tying this into the earlier conversation that we'd had about Scott Pilgrim and romance. Yeah. There was a very interesting, uh, very deep, I felt, set of panels where he leaves the truck to go to his senior prom. Yeah. Mentioning that he hadn't managed to ask Lana in time. Oh, right. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And he walked out and they were, uh, Martha said that she was worried. Um, Mr. Kent said, don't, don't be worried. He's yeah. going to be fine. Yeah. He, he's never gotten a paper cut. I don't think he'll ever be hurt. And that is overlaid over him oh, tearing yeah, up because he is watching yeah, somebody else that, kiss Lana. That was a brilliant, yeah, brilliant so panel. Well done. Uh, so well Ga- done. Gary Frank really needs to be congratulated and admired just for his artistic ability and being able to being able to draw such an emotionally stirring panel that that was. Just seeing that, like, yeah, he physically cannot be hurt, but the the guy has emotions. Correct. You know? He's he, fundamentally he's a, fundamentally yeah, human. He's fundamentally like you and me. He he ha- he gets his feelings hurt. He can feel lonely. He can feel sadness. You know exactly. Uh, which is yeah. That I was I was sad when I when I read that. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I agree with you. Uh, we are going to take a short break to play our legal ID and our ad, but we will be back very shortly to continue to talk about Watchmen and the Doomsday Clock. Here with Beyond the Panel, Brian and Curtis on UMFM 101.5. We don't give PhD looks here, man. Rolling the fat, laid-back tunes. CJUMFM, U of M. We couldn't have done it without you. UMFM's 6th Annual Listener Funding Drive, Pledgerama, is in the books, and the support was both overwhelming and heartwarming. The money we've raised will go into station operations, ensuring you'll continue to get the great programming you love year-round. And it'll allow us to make improvements and take new steps in serving this wonderful community. You came through for us, and we can't thank you enough, but here's one more attempt. Thank you for supporting UMFM. Welcome back to Beyond the Panel with Brian and Curtis on UMFM 101.5, Winnipeg's, U of M's campus radio station and Winnipeg's premier comic book talk show. Uh, We're talking about the Watchmen and Doomsday Clock today. Also, Scott Pilgrim earlier, but (laughs) besides the point. Um, Our main topic today is about Watchmen and and, uh, Doomsday Clock. We just finished talking about our thoughts about Doomsday Clock and... Um, I'm interested to see where the hack... Very, very intrigued. Color me intrigued, for sure. Yeah, I'm in. I'm in on this. Definitely, yeah. I mean, there's not a whole lot to unravel as there's only one issue's worth of story to unravel. Right, but I mean, it's like a, it's enough of a cliffhanger that you, yeah. like, there are many questions. There are yeah, m- for many sure. questions. Who's the new Rorschach? And for people who have like, read DC Rebirth, like, they've been planting seeds also since DC Rebirth uh, right. launched a year ago. So, like, this has definitely been something that they were exactly. always going to make at so, some point. So, Jeff Johns is writing this, and, like, my question is, do we just, like, wrap it up? Is he the best comic book writer of the 2010s? Who who's had a better who's he, had a better he's decade? He's among than the him? best. I mean, it all depends on personal taste, Obviously. Too, right? Of course. I mean, like, I, for me at least, it's either him or Jonathan Hickman. Oh, right? I I'm in terms completely of like, in agreement that Hickman is one of the best world builders in terms of in terms of both critical and commercial success. Yeah, for sure, it's one of the two of them. Oh, for sure. Johns has been in disgustingly successful DC to the point where he's completely turned around this company. He's, obviously, he's the chief creative officer. Obviously, of DC. not single handedly, but it's been his driving vision that has brought 
Yeah, his, his passion that, is definitely largely responsible. On top of that, he made Aquaman a number one bestseller yeah. for God knows how many weeks. Yeah. <laughs> Which um, we, we are thrilled about that, you know, that Aquaman was such a big hit for everyone. On the other hand, Hickman obviously had that insanely good run uh, writing the Fantastic Four oh, yeah. and the, big the Avengers. Big fan of that. So, yeah, Hickman, for, Hickman for is obviously the more versatile of the two, but I feel as if, personally at least, Johns writes the more intricate stories johns has had a longer career than hickman fair i'll take yeah so we'll see where hickman you know he he's got everywhere to go like he's he's only he's only really just getting started he's gonna be working for johns pretty soon oh yeah that's true but hickman is on a continual uh, continual upscale, like he is just going up Very and good. up and up and up with each thing that he writes. So Gosh, I think he's really good. Yeah, I think that Hickman is fantastic and Johns are fantastic. It's you know, it's it's hard to compare the two, but they each do what they do so well, yes. respectively. You know. Um. So what I, you you mentioned during the break to me that you wanted to talk more about the Watchmen. Yeah. So I mean, as far as Doomsday Clock goes, we kind of gave a rough outline of like it's what only, happens in the storyline. There's only so many pages we can talk about. Yeah. Like it's it's a 32 page comic. Um, you know, we gave some of the central moments. Don't want to. I will say one of the funniest things in Doomsday Clock. I, yeah. Right. So we'll see where Hickman. You know, he he's got everywhere to go. Like he's he's only. He's only really just getting started. He's going to be know? working for Johns pretty oh. soon. Oh, yeah, that's true. But Hickman is on a continual uh, continual upscale. Like, he is just going up Very and good. up and up and up with each thing that he writes. So Gosh, I think He's really good. Yeah, I think that Hickman is fantastic and Johns are fantastic. It's, you know, it's, it's hard to compare the two. But they each do what they do so well, yes. respectively, you know? Um, so... What I, you you mentioned during the break to me that you wanted to talk more about the Watchmen. Yeah, so I mean, as far as Doomsday Clock goes, we kind of gave a rough outline of like it's what only, happens in the storyline. There's only so many pages we can talk about. Yeah, like it's it's a 32 page comic. Um, you know, we gave some of the central moments. Don't want to. I will say one of the funniest things in Doomsday Clock, and Doomsday Clock wasn't like all grim and dour. Like there was a funny scene where the mime has to get his weapons out of a locker. Do you remember that? Yeah, and he, doesn't he mime a gun at and, the back of Rorschach? And he's just pretending. And like Rorschach is like, I'm. I went back for this. Like Rorschach he's is not so, saying that, he's but like so upset about yeah, it. Yeah, he Rorschach is not happy because they have limited time to get out of the prison. Three hours and the mime is just four minutes, yeah, exactly. maybe less. <laughs> the mime is just clowning around and just has to gather his weapons before they leave. But they are imaginary weapons, and I, I chuckled. I chuckled at that scene. I thought it was funny. That's what it was. I thought he legitimately didn't actually have, like, his weapons had gone missing. And Rorschach said, no, they were imaginary weapons. No, he's miming. Like, <laughs> oh, my God. Go, go back and look at that. That's brilliant. I was laughing so hard at I, that. Oh, my. Thank you for explaining that to me. That wasn't hey, as no funny. Worries, I was like, man. all right, this is kind of whatever. But, like, and it just kind of dissolved. No, like, I thought it was, like, a the, missed plot point. <laughs> Mimed weapons. The, mi- the mime was, like. That's so good. Oh. Man. <laughs> We'll we'll find that panel later, I'm sure, I, and look at it again. I'm gonna go home and yeah, look at it again. Yeah, for sure. Oh. You'll you'll get a you'll get a laugh out of that for sure. That's amazing. But moving on and to the watching, second time I where guess. they're in the tunnel on the way to yeah, uh, sure. on the way to where the night owl is 
or was where Archie is. Yeah. Uh, and the mime mimes a gun at the back of. Oh Rorschach, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he's yeah. Just like, that, that the second funny. time you've done it, it doesn't work. <laughs> like, yeah, there was definitely humor in this book. Like John's John's knows when to use it conservatively. I mean, we saw, that, has in, good we saw that in Aquaman. Though, oh, yeah, right? for like, sure. Like, we saw that in Hawkman as well. Yeah. Um, we saw that in Teen Titans. Like, we know that John has the ability to be both is com- good. Yeah. comedical and serious. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, The Watchmen, the, the graphic novel. Yeah, I guess moving on from Doomsday Clock over to the original now. So, like, w- the art style was obviously gritty and dark and unique. Yeah, and the Dave story, Gibbons. The story was insane with yeah, a couple of it was mind blowing a couple of really awesome twists it wasn't just like one or two like there were three four five the, really really good twists the moral right? complexities of that and just the sheer the sheer density and weight of like the story that Alan Moore crafted and is... by the end you don't really know who the good guy is no no like that's it there are no heroes Watchmen basically holds up a dark mirror to the idea of the very concept of superheroes yeah the fact that do they really bring about good yeah are they really inherently good beings they're all like everyone has agendas and Everyone has their own their own plans for what they want to do. Like no one is really a hero or a villain. I think in the that closest, world, at least. I think the closest thing to a hero in that in in the Watchmen was the Night Owl, though. Yeah, he was the closest thing. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, even he himself still had his own agendas and flaws. Yeah, and like and everything. And, like it, it's definitely not your your arch your archetype superhero. Uh, like you know, someone like Captain America or Superman. Like these are very flawed human characters. And since then, we have seen more flaws in even normal everyday. And heroes. yeah, that's not to say that Captain America and Superman also are not flawed humans. It's just they in the forties, they were really very different it. from nowadays. You know, Batman. Batman showed absolutely showed flaws previous to that but oh, like yeah. I don't remember Superman or like if you read back obviously I wasn't alive no but if you read back yeah times have definitely progressed their characters which is great yeah it's, if you read back like the superhero Superman and Captain America didn't exactly have a lot of flaws previous to that not not in like the golden age like they were very much you want to be like these guys but these guys Even are the silver age they didn't really have yeah, that silver many flaws. age silver age for sure the and then you get thing, into the more modern age right the closest thing I remember in like this uh, like the closest thing I remember reading to Superman having flaws was like during um, Dark Knight Returns, yeah, where he is basically just a puppet for the U.S. government, which I guess really turned the game around. Like after that point, you get into the the late eighties, nineties. That's when things definitely, yeah, definitely take a turn. Um, but I mean, as far as Watchmen goes, I I found one of the most interesting things about the Watchmen was its non linear storytelling. Um, because not everything takes place exactly on a straight timeline. Like Dr. Manhattan, like Dr. Manhattan's perception of time itself is very interesting to me. Just the way that he sees events and is able to live simultaneously at all different points of time. Like his, his view of the world was a very interesting, very interesting to me for sure. Dr. Manhattan's a wacky character. He, he is... He's I mean, not close... wacky in like the ha ha sense. Wacky is in like it's such a brilliant 
yeah. obscure concept, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, it's Alan Moore did his research for sure. Like, everything that Dr. Manhattan does in that is I rooted hope that in, guy like, did his research. The man's literally a, like a wizard. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> literally a wizard. Moore said himself that he took inspiration from quantum physics to craft Manhattan and his powers as someone who knows science because Manhattan was a scientist before he got his powers. So Correct. when he uses his powers, he's using them to their full extent. And that's how he becomes detached from humanity in the first place. Is he, he doesn't live in the here and now. He lives in all moments of time. So nothing really is significant to him because he sees the future. He sees the past. He sees the present. And he basically looks at humanity as ants that are not really worth saving. So it's been a, it's been a while since I've actually read. Yeah. I saw the movie last week. In order to kind of short prep myself for well, this. Well, and the movie's great, by the way. Like, we'll, we'll get to that in yeah, a second. Yeah, we will. We'll get to that in a second. So if he lives in the... He has the ability to live in the future. How the heck did he not see that that vent was the... That's that's the brilliance of the, of the, the physics of it is um, Osmandius uses something called tachyons, which are subatomic particles. Now, also this is really me being a nerd works. here because I love science. Uh Tachyons are basically particles that uh, basically shoot backwards in time at the speed of light. What? Excuse so they have, me? They effectively create an interference How? pattern with uh, Dr. Manhattan's ability to So, like, that's physically actually time. possible. Tachyons are a theoretical uh, particle um, in, so, in subatomic particle physics. I thought things couldn't travel back in time. Well, that's that's the idea. Is that because it's a theoretical concept? Nothing has been outright shown to be oh, true, but okay. this is all rooted in real theoretical physics. Well, so, I mean, like there's amazing. actual whatever numbers behind it. But yeah, ta- tachyons are a proposed particle that basically travel can near you, speed of light to uh, cause interference patterns. Can you common man it for me? Like, I will try. The simplest solution. Okay, so Doctor Manhattan is able to like. No, 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 no. Like, I want to actually know about the actual particle. Oh, okay. Like, okay, I get. Sure. I get the story. Like, I understand the story concept. Yeah, but, yeah, like, yeah. I thought the entire thing with Einstein's theory of relativity basically is that like time travel is technically possible, but only forward because you are technically moving so fast. Mathematically moving yeah, so fast yeah, the, that like the you're relativistic not actually, effects. Right. You're not once actually you traveling slow down through to time. Speed. It's just slowing time relative to yourself. Right, of course. So like time around you is slowed, but like everything else around you is moving faster. Right. So but that only makes sense going forward. You yeah. can't do that backwards. So how the heck and again, like, I, I'm still not at the point where, like, I'm an expert in physics. I mean, I certainly devote a lot of time to that study. String uh, theory, I understand. Yeah, string theory is amazing. Um, but I, I mean, don't get this. to avoid turning this into a long discussion on physics that would bore a lot of people, but I, I find it interesting. Uh, I'm mind blown right now. Tachyons, tachyons exist in the past. Essentially, they exist in the past because so Asmodeus uses their these their velocity. Ones. Yeah, their their velocity is essentially reverse speed of light. Uh, and when you look at particles and waves, basically, there's particle wave duality. Uh, with waves, you have interference patterns and diffraction. And this is me speculating on the use of tachyons in the story. Like, of course, none of this is real. It's a comic. It's just applying something right. that is theoretical to a comic. Uh, theoretically, tachyon particles would create an interference wave that would cloud his Obfuscate. vision. Yep. Yeah, it would cloud his vision. Now he it. can't see the future, hence he's he's limited. 
I dig it. That's why he's brilliant. You know, Osmanius is the smartest man on earth. It's said in the in the comic. Right. He's able to craft this devious plan and prevent like a godlike being from stopping him. You know, which is the brilliance is it of it. Really that, Not even is God it could really stop it. Is it really that devious, though? It wasn't devious. It was. It was shady that he did some of the things that he did and killing millions. But he did it to save billions, which is where that complex morality comes yeah. in. He wanted to bring world peace. He he was not an overtly evil, malicious villain. He did something that is morally questionable with right intentions, I suppose. Which are what the best villains are. Yeah, and which is why that he's you know, so well that, written. Why he's such a well written. So I guess about the movie then. You mentioned that you thought it was really good. I liked the Watchmen film. I know some people are divided on it. Similarly, in the way that you asked me about. About Scott Pilgrim, which I said was a very good movie as well, which I enjoyed. What were things about it that disappointed you, okay, or what, what things? What were things that you would change? Well, I guess to cite which version of the film I'm referring to, I'm going to be referring to what I would say is the only cut worth watching, and that's the ultimate cut. Don't don't watch the theatrical cut like many of Snyder's films. The ultimate cut expands a lot better than what you would get on the Well, normal. I mean, like, it's the same reason you watch the director's cuts of Lord of the Rings. Yeah, right? exactly. So judging the three-and-a-half-hour film, not the two-whatever-was-released in theaters... So, uh, like, if it ever pops up on Netflix, realize yeah. that you're watching the suboptimal version of yeah, the film. Yeah, just... The, for me, the, the definitive version is the three-hour the three hour and 35-minute ultimate cut. What did cut. cut from that version to get to the theatrical you know i i haven't seen the theatrical cut in years just because i've always been of the opinion the only cut worth seeing is the one that was you know the the whole vision you know blue dong and everything don't want yeah don't watch something that is watered down watch something the way it was meant to be i mean sometimes you don't have three and a half hours to watch the watch true you got like two hours but if you really want a faithful adaptation ultimate cut is the way to go uh best parts of it were the Basically, the Black Freighter storyline from the original graphic novel was in there. Okay. Because that Black Freighter was a story within a story. Right. That had a symbolism, you know, all of that. Uh, I thought that was great. I thought uh, Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach was impeccable. So good. Absolutely impeccable casting. Uh, it was... Mag- I, I still say this is Snyder's best film. I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with and me. And his voice was so good. So like, good. I don't know how you did it. Uh, I don't know how you did it, Jackie Earl, Earl Haley, but you were, Incredible. You were amazing in that amazing. film. Amazing. Uh, Dr. Manhattan was interesting, as always. I thought he was portrayed well and accurate to how he was in the I comic. I actually like the fact that they included the blue dong. Because you yes, would. Uh, you would see it. Like, well, the thing is, since he's so detached from humanity, he no longer feels the need to be like a regular human and clothe himself. Like, he doesn't have shame. He doesn't have, you know... These human feelings of needing to be like that. He's kind of like he kind of spews radiation too, right? So well, like, that whole storyline of he causes cancer in all of his closest friends, and and that what's co- that's what causes him to go to Mars and just isolate himself. Right? Is he's not completely detached. He actually felt sad and shed a tear, and then isolates himself on right. Mars. So I mean, he's still he's still human. Just doesn't need clothes. He just, yeah, he, he's, he's someone who's losing his humanity, you know. Um, but, you know, for the most part, I thought that movie was very, very faithful to the comic. It was well done. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, your thoughts on, on the film? I actually watched the film before I, watched, I read the, the graphic novel. Okay. And, I mean, obviously it was interesting enough and hooked me enough to make okay. me 
go and read the yeah, graphic which novel. Which is great. And yeah, like it's it's not like it's not like if you accidentally stumbled into the theater and watched The Hunt for Red October, liked it, and decided to read the book and realized it was two completely different stories, <laughs> right? Um, I felt the movie, basically, the movie was faithful to the storyline. Like, if you yeah. watched the movie it was and really you good. see how it does, it, it was beat it was good. for beat. And it, it didn't... The one uh, major change, though, is just the alien creature. Yeah. Which, some people liked that change in the movie. They said it was better mind it. for the time that it was made at. I didn't mind it. Not, yeah. only, not only did I not mind it, but like I just kind of felt... Yeah, I guess I felt like it fit fairly well for, in that, for that In version. that uh, movie, or in the comic, the alien creature is used as a way to bring about all the nations to a peace agreement right. as for a greater threat. In this movie, alien creature is substituted for nuclear weapons, right? Like, Correct. And... Which makes sense for for the world, you know, like that would be something that would unite nations, hopefully, if they're, I mean, again, it's- I mean, they're not. Just, We're in the year 2017. Yeah. North Korea is threatening to nuke everybody. And yeah. I don't know. Just the, the, really sheer, the sheer force and power of nuclear weapons is extremely scary, and they, that, the movie uses that threat as a way of uniting countries, which makes but sense. But I felt like it worked. Yeah, it, it did work, definitely. I felt like it worked, especially for how gritty that storyline yeah. was. Like, like I can't, I can't possibly imagine that movie having like a alien creature running around and having no, it be believable. Uh, uh, right? Yeah, like, yeah. I um, felt that was a good change. Other than that, I mean, the movie was very, very faithful. It not respected only, both the novel you know, the and story. the movie have one of the more mature takes I've ever seen about sexual abuse and rape. Oh, for sure. That's that's a huge thing about Watchmen and a very it, it, it's it's a very complex topic to get into. Yeah. But the movie does the movie I think the movie does it well. I mean, it is always a sticky topic and yeah, there is always. no having and, and I guess that's why watching is such there's a complex no correct read. way to kind of go about no that, not right? at all but like they, it's one of the more mature takes I've seen yeah on for it. sure um it's one of those movies that I swear I really hope they never try and remake it no it although HBO has said that they are planning on doing a Watchmen like show like a mini series yeah but I mean like with the mini series it's a movie and a miniseries are two, That's fine. two different yeah. things. No, le- different things. leave the movie be. Like, yeah. Zack Snyder did a great job with that. I think it's his best film, honestly. Yeah. Um, Curious to see how the HBO want to work out. I, I mean, HBO have... makes great stuff, you know. Every... I mean, they made a whole entire... They, they turned Game of Thrones and A Song of Ice and Fire into a zeitgeist. So I can imagine they would more or less probably do the same thing with The Watchmen, right? Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how HBO's Watchmen turns out. If it's going to be, be like a 12-episode series It's going to be good. Whatever it is, it's going to be good. I think so. I think it's going to be good. I think so. Cool. Um, you ready to kind of get into the wrap-up? Yeah. Let's, let's talk about what to look forward to in this coming week as far as comics well, go. Well, first, I kind of want to look back. Yeah, well, let's talk about let, yeah. Let, let's talk about what was popular last week, and then what to look forward to uh, tomorrow. Uh, okay, so last week's best-selling comics: uh, Doomsday Clock. Again, of course. Whoa, uh, shocker! Detective Comics, Action Comics, uh, Flash. What issue of Action are we on now? Nine ninety-two. Yes. Okay, that was nine ninety-two. Flash thirty-five, Black Panther one sixty-seven, Wonder Woman thirty-five. 
Uh, X-Man Gold, 16. Okay. Uh, JLA, 19. Star Wars, 39. Iron Man, 594. Okay. So a couple Marvel titles, but still predominantly still predominantly DC. It was the first metal-less feel, uh, week of comics. Was it? Yep. Okay. There was no Dark Knights. No, no tie-in or anything like that nope. last week, eh? Nope. Um... That's been a good event, though, overall. Yeah. Everyone seems to be... M- yeah, most apparently, people that I've, uh, uh, talked Sherlock to. Frankenstein, the Black Hammer spinoff from Dark Horse, is oh, that's awesome. close to breaching the top ten. That's awesome. Uh, Black Hammer by Jeff Lemire is a stellar, very, very good. stellar book. Uh, Justice League has been pretty good so far. I The Star Wars comics have been okay. I haven't been reading like the current Star Wars stuff. I want to get into like the old Dark Horse uh, Star Wars. Yeah, yeah, okay era before i read like the marvel era of star uh, wars we'll talk off air I'll, I'll let you into my comicsology account i have two i have two things you can get at okay hmm. um two separate two starts like two 300 page oh wow that's uh, wild starts to two separate storylines that's wild um coming up this week we've got um for marvel we've got moon moon Knight. oh I'm, I'm for sure picking that up i think moon Knight was one of the one of the most interesting Marvel Legacy launches. Yeah, so this is the second part of Crazy Runs in yeah, the Family. Yeah, it, it's really good. For anyone who hasn't uh, read it, check it out. Uh, Old Man Logan, number 31, which is the start of a new arc, uh, The Scarlet Samurai, part who's, one. Who's writing that now? Out of uh, Ed Brisson. Oh, okay. He's pretty good, actually. Yeah, and yeah. the artist is uh, Mike Diodato. Okay, yeah. Solid choice. Solid so, choice. I like the cover art. It's beautiful. Yeah, Jeff Lemire was doing Old Man Logan. Not um, anymore, But though. now, yeah, the I guess The cover artist hand, is not done by Diodato. It's done by uh, Mukesh Singh. Okay. It's very pretty. Cool, cool. Um, Jean Grey, number nine, which is Psychic War Part 2. Uh, All right. Marvel Legacy. I'm not. I've never been a fan of the Jean, Jean Grey character, but a lot of people have been. So I think Jean Grey is cool. I'm not sure about a Jean Grey solo or like how well the storyline well, is being crafted. The second part. Of, but I mean, sure. Why not? Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, the Green Arrow Annual. Green Arrow is one of DC's most consistently enjoyable it's reads. It's been phenomenal. Amazing art in that run as well. Like um, Juan Ferrero. The writer, the, two, it's a new writer and artist for this. For the yeah, annual. I guess because it's a one shot. Correct. It'll be uh, back to the regular team after. Ben Percy writing the annual. Eleonora Well, Carlini. Ben Percy's been writing the series this whole time. That's fair. Okay. but um, Just different artists then, yeah, for this. Eleonora Carlini okay, doing so. the art. Well, I mean, he he always gets good art talent on, so I'm I'm curious to see how it will visually look from the previews. This should really should good. be fun though. Definitely should be fun. Uh, Injustice Two Annual. Oh, sweet. Uh, written by Tom Taylor and art by yeah, Marto Marco Santucci. Okay. Um, I wonder how it. Uh, I'm curious to see how an Injustice Annual is going to be because they're normally one shots, but like Injustice has been telling a very concise story that is supposed to start and end in a singular. Yeah, play. that's that's interesting. So, I'm Tom pe- Taylor's been doing a good job with the Injustice universe. I'm going to pick that up just to see. Yeah, though. Aquaman Annual. Hey, Aquaman, written by Philip Kennedy Kennedy Johnson. Okay, so that's a different writer than the regular ongoing writer. Then, yep. For uh, that one. Artist is Max Femura. Okay. Um, Interesting. The blurb here says Aquaman's dream of unity between surface and sea has come true. A utopia of human and Atlantean oh, wow. ingenuity and a symbol of harmony between two cultures. The, crown, the city of Crown Spire is Arthur Curry's greatest achievement. There, Aquaman, Mera, and Tom Curry live in content. But who built Crown Spire? Where is Merc? 
And what exactly is Tom Curry? Something is very wrong in Aquaman's world, and if he doesn't find out soon, he may never live to oh, see another I'm day. Intriguing. Color I'm, me intrigued again. I'm going to get it. I've been heard. I've heard really good things about this latest, uh, like I've Aquaman. Just started stuff. to get into it, and it's been very good. So I far. did. I I dropped off Aquaman at the beginning because I. I mean, just after Johns, I just felt like you know no one could live up to it. But now I've heard that it's been picking up steam. So now I definitely am intrigued. It's good. Hopping back on. Maybe grab, maybe grab the annual and see if you yeah, like it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll for sure pick up pick up like a collected edition and catch up with that. And finally, last noteworthy release of the week: Batman Annual, written by Tom King. That one has Weeks a lot of hype built as the up. artist. It's time travel. Did you apparently. say who did you say was the artist? Lee Weeks. Oh, Lee Weeks is great. He's he's really good. Both the cover like artist him. and the regular artist. So yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited I, for this. I've it's, heard it's a lot of people are excited. for Time this travel. So. And, That's and wild. Him and Catwoman, so this should be really good. Oh yeah, yeah. There's I'm, been big things going Tom on. King's in that. such a good author too. He is. This is going to be very, very, very good. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. So, like, out of all that, like, what are you most interested in picking up this week? Uh, definitely, Moon Knight is. I feel like Moon Knight has been an outlet for writers to just be as crazy and just creative as as they possibly can be. Because he's such a fringe character, right. so with a Moon Knight story, like you can you can take it in so many directions. So explain explain to potential casual listeners out there, or not even casual, but like new comic book okay. fans. Like, uh, first of all, explain the allure to you about Moon Knight. Explain okay. what he does, and sure. ex- yeah, explain why Got you're a, excited about this. Well, this will be your your brief description of Moon Knight. Uh, Moon Knight. We may end up eventually having an entire conversation about him, but for oh, now. Oh, that'll be fun. For but, now. Yeah, Moon Knight. Uh, former mercenary who actually died under the statue of the Egyptian god Khonshu, who basically resurrected him as his Ooh. avatar, uh, the Moon Knight, to basically carry out his brand of justice. And Moon Knight is interesting because he has multiple personality disorder in many of the storylines that he's been featured in. Not all of them, but he he basically bounces between different personas. His his mind is kind of jumbled. He he himself can be a bit of an unreliable narrator at times. Um so very very intriguing, fascinating character. Uh, visually striking just just based on the costume that he wears, uh he wears all white, which is very anti-superhero. Yeah, it, it. He said in a comic before. You know, someone asked him, "Why do you wear white?" He said, "Well, I want them to see me coming. I have no. <laughs> I have no interest in blending into the shadows whatsoever." I haven't read a lot of movies. He, he's a funny. he's a fun character. Definitely. Uh, I mean, my brief t- description can't do him enough justice. But I I would say check he him out. He also has one of the more interesting, or started one of the more interesting Marvel villains, in my opinion, the Taskmaster. Yeah, Taskmaster. He has he has a few very interesting ones that um, he that he fights. I don't know. I I will probably end up tweeting about it, but if you've ever played Marvel Heroes, any of the versions, one of the first missions that you end up doing is one that ends up, you end up going after the Taskmaster. Taskmaster is a cool villain. In order to get some information. And so you stumble into one of his warehouses and there's a giant projector screen that's like giving you like... Ba- bad guy goon okay. training. It's like a bad guy goon <laughs> training video Why directed not? by the Taskmaster. Why not? <laughs> it's brilliant. It's so funny. He's, he's a cool villain. Yeah. Um. And so, like, that was my first introduction to Taskmaster, and that was only like a very brief I, time ago. I actually just recently read Taskmaster and Nick Spencer's Astonishing Ant Man. 
Why doesn't it surprise me that Nick Spencer would write about that? Taskmaster basically, or Ant-Man Scott Lang is basically wants a new arch foe, and he and Task... <laughs> so he basically is like, Taskmaster, you're my new f- arch enemy. And Taskmaster's oh, like, no, I don't want I don't this. I don't want this. I don't want to be associated with you. Like, you're Ant-Man. Like, I'm Taskmaster. That seems like such an Aquaman storyline. And the, read read Nick Spencer's Astonishing Ant-Man. Yeah, no, that's I going promise you, you'll love it. I love... Nick Spencer's brilliant. It's so fun. So it's good. so fun. Who, who it's, the art for it's that? hilarious. Uh, it's very simplistic. I can't quite recall the name of the artist, but it's very good. Is it very? Is it's it, much is it, in the same style as uh, Hawkeye. Hawkeye's oh, art style. Ooh, ooh, that like kind David, of art. David sort of. Yeah, okay. it's more of a simple, more of a simple kind of art style. Astonishing. It's it's Ant so much Man. fun. Cancelled? No. Why? <laughs> Yeah, I think it, it only had a short run, but like you can definitely get your hands on the full on the full series. The first thing is called "Everybody Loves Team Ups." Yeah. Uh, At, he, uh, oh, by the way, he hires a D-list villain named Grizzly to be like his his like uh, security. Oh, the Beatles in this. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Ramon Rosanis. Yeah. 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 I'm gonna check that out. That yeah. sounds good. That yeah, sounds like a good time. It's awesome, man. Uh, check check out Astonishing Ant Man. So. What are you going to be reading this week? Uh, no surprise, Moon Knight, um, Batman Annual, yep. Green Arrow Annual. Yep. Those three for sure. Um, I hope you can find enough time to make room for seconds. Oh, I mean, I, I'll, I'll, definitely, I'll definitely check out any other recommendations you have. Um, so, I mean, those are new things I'm picking up, and then I guess I'll just continue to read older, really awesome runs that I haven't read yet. Right on. Cool. Yourself. Uh, I'm gonna reread Doomsday Clock. Uh, Probably worth a reread for sure. And then I think I think I'm gonna spend some nostalgia time, and I'm gonna yeah, go just, reread. Just go back and read some older. I'm gonna books. go reread Watchmen because I desperately need to. And then I think it's contemporary, in my opinion, is wanted. Good, good mention. We we should have a talk about that at some point. At some point, yeah. I didn't get enough time to talk about it today, but uh, I I have a. Semi hot take about wanted. I think the it's co- interesting. The, the though. graphic novel, not the movie. The movie's hot garbage. Please don't, don't watch that. Um, <laughs> James McAvoy though. James McAvoy, and Morgan Freeman are both really good. If you detach it from the comic, it's fine. Yeah. If you like, if you just don't think like, hey, this is attached. Yeah. To no, it, it's I get fine. what you're saying. Like, it's not really an adaptation of the comic. It just borrows some elements. Yeah. It takes the opening scene from it, sort of, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Um. One is good though. It's so good. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna reread both of those. Um, yeah. And I think maybe I should reread wa- uh, Wanted. It's been forever. It's been a really long time. Yeah, I also think I'm gonna read. I think I'm. Uh, I had picked up a while ago, but never really gotten into it. Uh, John Carpenter's Asylum. Oh, okay. So interesting. I think, I think I'm finally gonna get yeah. around to reading that. Sweet. Um, of course, if you want to hit us up, you can hit us up on Twitter at BTP Comic UMFM. Still haven't changed it because. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's fine. And of course, our email is beyondthepanelumfm at gmail.com. Uh, you can check out previous episodes on umfm.com under the podcast section. Um, and um, SoundCloud. And the SoundCloud. Thank there you very much. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And we will catch you next week with some more juicy comic goodness. Can't Uh, wait to talk to you guys again. See you next week. Have a great week, you guys. Have a great week, Curtis. And I'll see you next time.